your number one Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast featuring Aaron and Anthony. On behalf of 32-Bit, I would like to welcome you to the Dynasty A-Team. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Dynasty A-Team presented by 32-Bit. My name is Anthony Winters, and I am joined here by Aaron Nyhart and our producer, Garrett Liette. How are we doing, gentlemen? Man, we are happy to be here. Like you said, this is episode one. It is just the beginning. It's draft season. There's no better time to get this started, and I'm, I'm ready for some hot takes off the start. Some hot takes right off the start. Aaron, you know we are going to have the hottest of takes when it comes to these draft boards. Yeah, I mean, there's only really one way to do it. Uh, last year, um, I mean, we're new to all of you guys. Anthony and I had a, quite the disagreement last year when it came to the wide receiver uh, rankings, and they both turned out to be right. So, I mean, maybe you'll get some more of that entertainment this year, and hopefully we can both get you those opinions that, that just naturally both tend to hit. I completely agree. Mr. Garrett, how you doing, man? Hey, guys, what's going on? We're, uh, we're, we're happy to be here. Episode number one. Uh, yeah, my name is Garrett. I'll be producing the podcast. Uh, really excited for fantasy football this year. The draft is just around the corner, which is kind of that, that first hit of football for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I got chills just thinking about it already. <laughs> you got chills thinking about it already. We're at that point of the offseason where we're just kind of at like the the NFL dead zone almost. And the draft season is truly one of my favorite, favorite times. Uh, I'm so happy it's finally here. I cannot wait for Thursday through Saturday. Uh, my wife, sure though, does not enjoy when it's draft season and when fantasy football kicks around, but that's all right. Um, so I want to start tonight just by quickly touching on the Aaron Rodgers news. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers um, has been traded to the Jets. Um, this has been something that's been a long time coming, if I'm going to say so myself. Um, but just for compensation's sake, the Jets get Aaron Rodgers. They get pick number 15, and they get pick number 170, which is a fifth-round pick this year. And the Green Bay Packers get pick number 13, a 2023 second-round pick, which is number 42, a sixth-round pick, which is number 207. And the big part of this trade for me at least, is the conditional 24 second round pick that becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays. Uh, Aaron, do you think that's adequate compensation for a guy like Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I mean, I think the Packers got exactly what they were looking for in the end here. Um, I, I think that them holding out really set the tone. And I, I think that what you see in today's package is that um, they're getting adequately compensated this year. I think the second rounder is going to be um, quite big, number 42 overall. They're going to get a solid pick there. And then I think next year they set them out the, themselves up quite nicely because the thing is with this trade, Rodgers can retire this offseason, and the Packers can still get a first if he plays 65% of the snaps. So I think yes, they got sir. what they were looking for. The Jets have their chance to try and make it through the gauntlet that is the AFC this year, and I think that it was just an appropriate way to kick off draft week with some exciting news. Yeah, I, I truly agree with you on that. I think that – I don't think you could have said it better – um, in any other way. I mean, I think that the Packers got exactly what they were looking for, and the Jets, you know, are trying to build for that run for the Super Bowl this year. I don't know if they're necessarily going to make it through the AFC gauntlet, but we'll see. I mean, they are certainly making making a really concerted effort, and then with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I find it really, really hard to not at least buy into the Jets as, I wouldn't say even favorites to win the AFC East, but, I mean, you could definitely see um, – them kind of mixing into that race for the top spot between, you know, Miami and Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at minimum you're looking at another team that come playoff time, if, if you're facing the Jets, it, it's not a team that you're going to be looking forward to. Um, I, I think it's another team squarely in the mix, and I think it's going to make this postseason that much more entertaining. Oh, I completely agree. And, you know, you got to think, like, Brees Hall got injured for the Jets last year, and really – if you look at the Jets roster, it's pretty pretty solid. Uh, Defense-wise, it's pretty solid. Um, their offensive line needs some work, but I think being able to swap that first-round pick for this year from 13, you're just moving back two spots, and you already got a quarterback that's going to 
be so much better for you, not not just for the short term, but potentially for the long term. Um, you know, a couple years being long term, but you're still in posi- you're still in position to draft that offensive lineman that the Jets that the Jets so drastically need. So moving on from Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets, let's get into some draft content. So what we're going to bring to you tonight is we're going to talk about our top five at each skill position. So we've got quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Obviously, we're only looking at skill positions for fantasy. Um, But we're going to talk about ideal placements for where we think those players would be and where we think that they would succeed and some placements where it's just kind of not gonna be so sound I mean obviously there's some play there's some players who are just generational I mean we're going to be talking about Bijan Robinson we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this guy because truly I think if he ends up anywhere he's going to be a star no matter what you're going to like some places better for him some places eh, a little iffy but regardless he's going to be fantastic um Aaron what are we thinking about QB this year what are you looking at I mean, I think QB is is rightfully so the star of the show with the draft this season right now. Um, Obviously, just over the past week, for any of those who pay attention to the Vegas odds, we've went from C.J. Stroud initially being the favorite to go number one overall to to Bryce Young at minus 2,000 right now. It's it's almost a foregone conclusion that he goes to the Panthers. Um, Stroud, meanwhile, there were reports this morning that he could go as low as seven or even further. Anthony Richardson's an absolute wild card, and Will Levis is now the favorite at two. So, I mean, I think this year's class um, deserves the talk, if nothing more, for just the fact that nobody knows where they're going to go, and that's kind of what we're going to break down here. Yeah, I think it's really, really interesting for me thinking about Stroud dropping this far. Uh, I'm getting shades of Justin Fields. I don't want to call it a fiasco, but Justin Fields dropping all the way down to Chicago. I think that we're going to see kind of the same thing with C.J. Stroud. I think C.J. Stroud is the best pocket passer in this class. Um, So let's talk a little bit about Bryce Young before we get into C.J. Stroud, though. Uh, Bryce Young, obviously, he's been the favorite to be the number one for what seems like all last season and this upcoming season, or all last season and this upcoming draft as well. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about Bryce Young, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, so with Bryce Young, there's really not a whole lot to dislike outside of you know, his stature, which is, again, something that this has been the conversation for several draft prospects over the last couple of years. Um, you think of uh, Kyler Murray um, probably most recently, um, fitting that, you know, around six-foot height. Um, and obviously, at first, the comparison was, can these people be Drew Brees? Because for a while, he was really the only sub six-foot quarterback that really was able to find great success out of it. Um, But with Bryce Young, looking at his season last year, Alabama didn't have the greatest wide receivers in the world. Obviously, they've got a bunch of talent. You saw Jameer Gibbs do great things. We'll talk about him later. Um, But with Bryce Young, you see the leadership. You see the intangibles. He's got the the grit that you want on your NFL football teams. And I think that he's he's a relatively safe player, even with the size concerns, just in the fact that you know he's going to go out there He's an effort guy. He's a intangibles. He's a leadership guy, and uh, I mean, he's he's going to give everything he can to try and be a try and be a winning quarterback in the NFL. I think that you really, really hit the nail on the head when you're talking about you know what's between Bryce Young's ears. This guy is so smart. Uh, what's the test that they just took? What the um the two A test or something? What what was that test that they just took, Aaron? Talking about the intellect for football. Thank you. 2A is um, a production for movies. Uh, You can see where my mind's at. (laughs) Um, But the S2 test, Bryce Young scored 98% on that test. This guy knows what to do in situations, how to exceed in those situations, and truly how to make a team around him better. I don't know if there is a better pick at number one in this draft for a quarterback needy team. Bryce Young is the guy. He, I, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about him going to another team because I don't think that there is really much of a chance that he goes to any other team um, other than Carolina. Uh, Aaron, do you see him falling out of that number one spot? 
No, I mean, I think at this point it's mostly a foregone conclusion that you're going to see Bryce Young go go one. And I don't, I don't think that's a bad pick for Carolina at all. Um, again, personal bias aside, I, I think, like I said, he, given the height um, concerns, I still think that he's a completely safe selection. He's going to bring a winning attitude to their franchise. Um, from a fantasy standpoint, you're looking for you're looking at somebody who can throw the ball. Um, obviously, his sophomore year at Alabama um, with Jamison Williams, forty eight hundred yards, forty seven touchdowns, and a Heisman Trophy. I mean, the passing ability was elite. Um, rushing at the position hasn't done a ton. Last year, he did a little bit more. Again, probably due to the fact that he didn't have those same wide receivers. Um, one hundred eighty five yards on the ground only on 49 rushes, averaging about four yards an attempt. So, I mean, he's got that aspect of his game, and end of the day, this dude's going out there to win ball games, and he's willing to do whatever it takes. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Let's move on to C.J. Stroud. So, Aaron, you and I have watched a lot of C.J. Stroud over the last couple of years. Uh, I know that you're a big Ohio State fan. I'm a big Michigan fan, uh, and I promise I won't let that come into – um, contention with how I have scouted him or whatnot, but he is my number two quarterback in the class. Um, Aaron, he's your number two quarterback as well. Talk to me a little bit about CJ Stroud without imposing so much of your bias into it. <laughs> yeah. So believe it or not, this isn't the hardest thing in the world for me to do. Um, I was probably on the more critical side of CJ Stroud for the majority of his Ohio state career. Um, as a fan, he is, Incredibly talented. Um, that was obvious from the minute he stepped foot on the field. Um, I think a lot of what is going on with the teams right now, like you were mentioning with the aforementioned S2 test, um, there were some interesting reports today. Um, if you watch the Pat McAfee show, they actually had the founder of the S2 test on the Pat McAfee show, and he did um, give a an interesting general quote about the fact that the S2 test was being misconstrued by some teams when it comes to a couple um, top draft picks, which obviously while not revealing any names, that doesn't mean that it's C.J. Stroud. It doesn't mean that he was ever bad in the first place, but it is being reported that that could have been potentially an issue with him. Um, as an Ohio State fan, the arm talent is there. At the Combine, you saw the arm talent. He's, he's practically a passing robot, um, but the problem for me always was the inability or the non-concern with, with rushing the ball. Um, yeah, I agree with Even you. Even when as far as last year at one point saying that um, why he didn't rush the ball was because he's he's not a running back. I didn't come here to play running <laughs> back, I believe, was his quote, which as a fan was uh, incredibly infuriating. And he, he didn't do it this year for the most either. And then in face of all the backlash, in face of, you know – until that Georgia game, there was a good amount of fan base that even at post-Michigan game this year, there was a lot of fan base that was down on him, that was writing off his legacy, that was saying he was probably the worst quarterback of the last decade just for going 0-2 against Michigan. And then he, the way he answered that against Georgia, it's a one-game sample size, but the quarterback that you saw in the playoff game that was willing to tuck the ball and do whatever he needed, needed to do to put us in a position to win that game that quarterback is the number one pick, but we only saw that quarterback for one out of his 25 starts. So, yeah, I I think I agree with you a lot, Aaron, when you talk about his kind of, not inability to run and scramble, but just like his unwillingness to run and scramble. And also in the fact that there was a lot of people who was not happy with him winning those big games. You know, he went 0-2 against Michigan and he did lose to Georgia in that bowl game, but I think that that game, like you said, just kind of really put him back on the map of like, oh, we know what this guy can do. We, we can see what this guy can do. This is a guy that we need to take a shot on. Um, another guy who is arguably the complete opposite of what um, C.J. Stroud is in regards to willingness to run is Anthony Richardson. This guy tested... On a relative athletic score, he is the number one quarterback that's ever been tested and documented for that score, which basically just talks about how athletic someone is um, compared to like their measurements and everything. Aaron, how excited are you for Anthony Richardson to get in the NFL? <laughs> I mean, to, to be exactly honest, I'm, I'm not. Um, <laughs> he's... 
I mean, I see for from a fantasy football standpoint, I, I think that he's intriguing. Um, obviously, it's not hard for people to um, see why he has some upside and to see why some teams are excited about him. As somebody who watched some Florida football last year, I think that Anthony Richardson has great upside, but it's got to be in the right scheme. I mean, yeah, I agree a little over 50% passing percentage. He wasn't making great decisions last year in college. The intangibles say that he can be an absolute athlete in the backfield, and his arm strength shows you that he can do everything. It's just a big gap for me between what he can do and what he's going to do. And so for me, I think from a fantasy standpoint, you have to pay him attention just because of the upside. But from an NFL fit standpoint, I, I don't hold the, the shiniest of outlooks. Um, so I'm curious to see what system he goes into. You know, it's really interesting because Anthony Richardson played high school right down the street from the swamp. Um, he's actually from Gainesville. And I've heard, I've done some research, and I've also heard some people talk about it because I live in Jacksonville, um, that a lot of people have seen Anthony Richardson play since he was in high school. And they weren't all that impressed really with him either. You know, his throwing mechanics were the same way that they were in high school as they are in college now and heading into the NFL. They said that he's an amazing athlete. I mean, you can see that just by turning on one Florida game. Um, but that it, it, they're seeing a lot of the same things, and he's not growing out of that. He's also not a proven winner. You know, he went, what, 6-6 six and six this last year, and he only, he played in one high school playoff game, and he lost that game. So I agree with you that the fantasy upside is there. I don't think there's much of a floor for him in fantasy. And in the NFL, I definitely do see him as a project, but gosh, if he hits, he could just be absolutely otherworldly. And it would be amazing to watch. Just yeah, and amazing I think, I think the, the fit that you're going to find with where he's taken um, and the amount of time in which he'll have before he has to hit the field, it's, it's going to say a lot as far as how much risk you're willing to put in to add him to your fantasy football rosters. Yeah, I completely agree. So with our top five for quarterback, those were our one, two, and three. We had Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. The only difference in our top five quarterbacks is the number four and five spots where Aaron has Will Levis, number four, and Hendon Hooker, number five, and I have that flip. So I have Hendon Hooker, number four, and Will Levis, number five. Aaron, what do you like more about Will Levis than Hendon Hooker? I mean, it's splitting hairs here for me. I think that from a dynasty standpoint, I have Will Levis higher just because he's going to be able to play uh, this season. Hen and Hooker might be ready by the middle of the season, but at that point, you've missed mini camp, you've missed training camp. So I think dynasty value-wise, I'll take the younger player that's that's healthy now. Um, if Hooker was healthy, he'd probably be three on my list above Richardson. I, I think he's a great talent. Um, being 25 like he is... It does limit his upside a little bit, but I think he's got a, a better path to on-field success as Will Levis has never really had on-field success. Um, yeah. So for me, again, like Richardson, I see from an intangible standpoint what people like. He's big. He's got a big arm. Um, though he's not as big as people make him out to be, he's the same height as C.J. Stroud and eight pounds heavier, um, but I digress. And... Uh, so yeah, for me, I'm, I'm not super high on either of these guys, but I give Levis a slight, slight edge because of the age and the current state of not having a torn ACL. Yeah, I mean, I find it really interesting when it comes to comparing these two because I do see similarities between the way that they play their game, but obviously you see the, the big arm for Will Levis and you know you have the glaring ACL injury for Hendon Hooker. What I want to remind people of, though, is Hendon Hooker was a Heisman favorite when or before he tore his ACL. The guy was setting college football on fire, absolute fire. And I, I wonder if this ACL is just going to drive him down boards and some team is going to get really, really lucky and they're going to get pre-ACL Hendon Hooker and he's going to be a really, really, really good quarterback for that team. I'm not saying he's going to necessarily be elite, but, I mean, you see the talent with him there. Um, it, it's it's uncanny. It's, it's great to see him play just like that. Um, Will Levis, for me, though, is 
Will Levis is the biggest project to me in this class. He really is. I think he's a bigger project than Anthony Richardson. What do you think, Aaron? I mean, I, I don't think he's a bigger project than Richardson. I think I think it's easier for you to see a route to success for Levis. Um, he, though his numbers are medioc- mediocre, I think that um, there's a little bit more to work with than, than Richardson, especially if he's going to be in a pass-first system. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not here to argue on these guys. I, I don't think that there's a big gap by any means. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Completely agree. Let's move to running back now, Aaron. Aaron... Do we really, really, really need to spend a lot of time discussing Bijan Robinson? I mean, I think the time best uh, spent on Bijan Robinson is honestly just where your take is on him as a prospect in the terms of the last five to ten years. I think he's I one of those types of talents. I think you can put him right up there with the Saquon Barkleys, with the Ezekiel Elliotts, with the Todd Gurleys that have um, come out in the draft in the last um, several years and. I think, like you said earlier, whatever team gets um, some Bijan Robinson is going to be getting an excellent all pr- excellent all purpose back that does everything at an elite level. Yeah, I really do. And I, like I said earlier, I don't think there is necessarily a bad landing spot for Bijan Robinson. I think there are spots that would downgrade his upside, but I think wherever he goes, he's going to be just an absolute star. And it's really tough for me now that you bring that up. I. I feel like Bijan Robinson might be a better prospect coming out than Saquon Barkley. So are you saying that he should be picked in the top five? I, I think talent-wise, he's a top five talent in this draft class, yes. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the talent-wise, it's hard to argue with. Um, obviously, this is a QB-saturated year, so that takes up a lot of the uh, conversation. I, I think the perfect landing spot for Bijan, to me, that would just put him at the pinnacle of... Not just where would he go in dynasty drafts. I think he'd be the number one dynasty back. But in redraft, it'd be fascinating if he were to land with the Philadelphia Eagles to me. Oh, I'm putting so many bets that he lands with the Philadelphia Eagles. I I hope that that happens just from a fantasy standpoint. I will have no Bijan Robinson shares. I just won't because I don't hold the 1-1 one, one in any of my dynasty leagues. Um, but I just think just seeing him play in Philadelphia, that is going to be absolutely incredible to watch um so number two for both of us and number three for both of us is Jameer Gibbs and then Zach Charbonnet in that order uh talk to me what makes Jameer Gibbs at number two rather than Zach Charbonnet at three um for me Gibbs the biggest difference with having him at two is the pass catching ability um Mm. I think he's the Truest definition of an absolute weapon. Um, ran four four just shy um, of four four at the combine, and just looking back at his career, even in the years of Georgia Tech, twenty four receptions, thirty five receptions, forty four receptions. He's he's been there. He's done that. Um, he's got the speed that'll that'll burn teams, and I think he's just a true weapon out of the backfield that, in the right system, could be uh, could be dangerous. I completely agree with you. The one thing that I like more about Gibbs than I do about Charbonnet is Gibbs does possess more um, kind of breakaway speed, more of that 40 time that we're looking for. I don't necessarily, well, no, I think Gibbs is, yeah, um, a little bit shiftier, a little bit more quick. Um, Charbonnet is a big bruising back. I'll tell you what, it is really cool watching him um, just kind of move the way that he does. (laughs) You just wouldn't expect a big guy like that to move that way. But I do agree with you. I think that Gibbs possesses more of that upside than Charbonnet does, but... Charbonnet is going to be one darn good running back in the NFL. Yeah, um, I mean, I think looking at Charbonnet, you see more of an actual traditional running back. I think he could be more of a three-down guy. Um, he did show some receiving uh, capabilities these last two years at UCLA, and and I think he's a great prospect. I think Gibbs is just a little bit more dangerous. Um, so, I mean, for Gibbs, for me, I've got him um, as a perfect fit for Cincinnati. Mm. Um, I think looking at what Cincinnati did last year with Samaj P. Ryan in the time where he got in, kind of as that third down pass catching back who, who got some run when Mixon was hurt, um, I think Gibbs could slot into that role nice. Uh, P. Ryan is off to Denver, and I think that Gibbs in Cincinnati would be another level to that offense that's, that's looking to you know, get back to a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Do you want to know where I think Zach Charbonnet could go that would be just absolutely spectacular for his fantasy value, but nobody's really going to like seeing him there, is Dallas. 
I think Zach Charbonnet could take over that Ezekiel Elliott role. He could be that goal linebacker. I, I would like to see him in Dallas. I think that that would give their offense just a really, really good kind of look to it. It would kind of round out that offense a lot more. Um, Tony Pollard's amazing, but Dallas is going to spend a pick at the running back position. I don't necessarily know if they're going to take a guy like Charbonnet that high, but I think it'd be really, really cool to see him in that Dallas offense. Yeah, I don't disagree here. I think that like you said, draft position is going to um, dictate a lot of where these guys go. Will Zach Charbonnet last long enough where you've got a playoff team that's looking to contend to be able to take a second running back? Um, we'll have to see. I think that would be a great spot for him. I've got Charbonnet slotted as a great option for another team uh, with a question mark in their backfield of a different kind, and I think he'd be a great day two pick for the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. If you're not looking to pay Saquon, he's not coming on his franchise tag yet, do you start looking at running back? And I think that Zach Charbonnet um, fits that system well. They don't have a, have a lot of depth there, and I think that he'd do well in the Big Apple. Hey, I kind of like that. All right, I'll take that. Talk to me about your number four running back. Yeah, so for me, I've got Israel Abanacanda as my top four uh, running back. I'm guessing you had me announce that because you weren't quite sure how to say the name, but I can promise you that after a couple seasons, I think a lot of us will know the name Israel Abanacanda. Aaron, um, don't call me out like that. <laughs> hey, you know, we're just assuming on the fly here, but that's okay. Um, to me, Abanacanda is another, uh, you know, all-around back. I think he could be a three-down player in the NFL. Showed a little bit more speed at the combine than a lot of people thought that he would. And uh, to me, I, I think he's got a lot of upside, and I think that he'd make a lot of sense um, somewhere where he could be stashed um, for a year potentially. Um, a great second-year candidate. And so I'm looking at teams like Minnesota and Arizona uh, for Israel Abanacanda. Obviously, with the Dalvin Cook rumors, James Conner's getting old. I think that would be a great situation for him to kind of marinate for a year a little bit and then really show out in year two. Yeah. You know where I think he would actually fit really well? So Pittsburgh runs pretty much a zone scheme. Not pretty much. Almost exclusively they run a zone scheme. I think he would fit really well with, like, the Miami Dolphins. You know, he could be had with like a later round pick, albeit the Dolphins only have four picks in this upcoming draft. But to get a guy like that in that Dolphins scheme, you know, you've got Jeff Wilson and then you've got Raheem Mostert. They're aging, not aging, they're already at the age. Um, but getting a Panicanda there would be, I think, really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be a great pick. I don't know if they have the capital, but it, I think system fit, you, you've got a match there. Who, who's your number four running back in this year's class? Tank Bigsby, the running back out of uh, Auburn. He's out of Auburn. This guy is this guy's fantastic. You know, I, I watched a few Auburn games. Um, not very many. I'm not, I'm not a big Auburn fan, but they're usually on down here um, in the southeast. He, he makes so many moves for missing tackles. Like, he's so creative with that. And even when he doesn't force missed tackles, his contact balance is absolutely elite. He He's fantastic. He really, really is good. The problem is, is he doesn't have a lot of burst. And he doesn't really, like, he's not really a pass-catching back. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't really catch the ball well. Um, I could see him in a scheme kind of like um, the the Raiders. I think he would fit really well with the Raiders. You know, Josh Jacobs isn't necessarily known for his pass-catching prowess, and Las Vegas doesn't really throw to their running back much. I think Bigsby would be a really great fit there. Yeah, I mean, from, from the way that you described him, it sounds like a fit there. I could see Tennessee also from your description. Um, yep. I, I'm not as big on Bigsby personally, but I think after the first three running backs, there's a lot of room for uh, um, interpretation with this year's class, and I think that you could very well hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. My number five guy is Sean Tucker. Uh, who's your number five guy, Aaron? Um, so I have Kendra Miller slotted in at five. Okay. Talk to me about Kendra Miller. Uh, so, I mean, kind of in the same um, mold as, as Bigsby, I think Kendra Miller is a little bit more of an all-purpose back. I think that 
the limited production for him, he really only had one year where he kind of burst onto the scene last year. Um, in the hip, in the mix of the hypno-toed hysteria that was Max Duggan, Kendra Miller was the, um, the sturdying force there with TCU, and I think that he's got great upside to, to make an impact in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I saw him um, when he beat down my Wolverines in the uh, college football playoffs, and the dude's good. That's just like he's he's a, he's a good football player. He is a he's a good football player, and I think he's gonna make a team very very happy somewhere between like the second and third round. I would say. Sean yeah, Tucker I mean, for me is higher than Kendra Miller. I think that if it wasn't for Sean Tucker's medical issues, he would be the locked and loaded number three or number three running back in this class. I think he's that good. Yeah, I mean, I've got Tucker listed in in my uh, players to watch. I think, like you said, he's got great upside. I mean, to be relevant and to have the stats that he put up at Syracuse is – um, no, no diss to Syracuse, but that's an impressive feat, and it was yeah. mostly on on his legs more than their quarterback's arm. So, I mean, kudos to him. I hope he has a successful career, and I, I I tend to agree that I think that we could see him make a fantasy impact at some point. Yeah, he's just he's so athletic. He has that elite end speed, and he he truly is just very quick. You know, the expression is "quick feet in a phone booth," which just means that he can toe the line. He can make really, really decisive, quick moves in a very small space. And Sean Tucker is going to bless a team that takes a chance on him. He's going to get drafted late just because of those medical issues, but he's been given a clean bill of health. Sean Tucker is going to be that guy. Yeah, so run me through your, your top five running backs, and then we'll move on to wide receivers. Number one, B. John Robinson. Two, Jameer Gibbs. Three, Zach Charbonnet. Four, Tank Bigsby. And then five, Sean Tucker. I believe yours were Bijan Robinson at number one, Jameer Gibbs at two, Zach Charbonnet at three, Israel Abanacanda, got it, at number four, and then Kendra Miller at number five. Yep, that's correct. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call my shot. I think a couple other running backs to pay attention to, again, depending on uh, landing spot, would be, like you said, Sean Tucker. I think Devon A-Chain out of Texas A&M has a, a very high yep. ceiling. He's a huge speedster. Again, in the right system, that speed can be deadly. And then Ty J. Spears, obviously the darling of the the New Year's Five, yep. um, the running back from Tulane, uber productive. We got to see it against USC, not the stoutest of defenses, but man, he's a cool story, and there's going to be a lot of people rooting for him. And I'm interested to see where he lands, where he ends up. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I'm a I'm a big Ty J. Spears fan. Wide receiver now, who's your number one wide receiver, Aaron? I mean, so th- this can come across without bias because I think that he is coming into this draft season as the number one consensus wide receiver for most people at this point. Um, it's it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, you can look at the stats. Um, obviously, this last year hampered with hamstring um, with a hamstring injury, which can be a concern to teams. Mm-hmm. To the fact that it it took so long for him to to come back. I don't know how much of that was injury, how much of that was being safe. As an Ohio State fan, I don't really have that answer. Um, but his sophomore season, 1,606 yards, nine touchdowns. He had almost 350 yards in the Rose Bowl against Utah. Um, you saw it on the field. He was a slot wide receiver. He runs great routes. He's got great hands. And, I mean, Ultimately, you can't put everything in the, in this basket, but when Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave come out in agreement that he was the best of the three, I you really can't argue with that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I want to point out that he did that as a sophomore, like a true sophomore. He put up those numbers. Like, that's crazy. That is absolutely incredible. Jackson Smith and Jigba is a locked and loaded wide receiver one when he gets drafted. He is more than a slot guy. I know that there's a lot of takes out there saying that he is just going to be kind of a slot receiver. He can do it all, and he is going to be a difference maker for whoever drafts him at the next level. I'm so, so excited to see Smith and Jigbo at the next level. Wouldn't it be hilarious if, if he ended up going to, uh, to Green Bay after they traded away Aaron Rodgers? Oh, my God. You know, the problem is, is I could actually see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that he, that's right in the range where I expect him to go. I think his best um, landing spot for me, even though I hate the team, um, sorry, hate's a strong word, 
Not a fan. Um, but I think the best fit would probably be the Patriots. Um, yep. They've got a long, rich history of working well with slot receivers or receivers of that um, that talent and skill set, and I think that he'd fit that system perfectly. I think Green Bay is another option. Um, but I think that one of those two places, um, or Houston, which is not as exciting, um, I, th- I think that's where he might end up. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. We both have Quentin Johnston as our number two wide receiver. What excites you about Quentin Johnston heading into this draft? I mean, Quentin Johnston, he just fits the bill of what teams get excited about on draft night. He's, he's big, he's tall, he's fast, he can high point the ball, and he makes the spectacular catches. Um, and I think the only reason why we aren't zeroed in on necessarily where he's going to be drafted this um, Thursday is just the fact that he makes the highlight catches and he does the things that put you in awe, and then he makes the simple things look incredibly difficult sometimes. Yep. And that's just somewhat hard to shake when you're looking at the draft. I think he's got an incredibly high ceiling. As mentioned, he, he can do all the great things. It's can he be an every-down, reliable, consistent receiver at the NFL level? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think he's more of a I, – I don't want to say a vertical threat because I think he's more than just like this deep vertical threat – but I, I do think that his his like quick area passing, his short passing is not as defined or is as refined as it needs to be to be a true like number one receiver in the NFL. I think that he can get there, but I, I just I don't I don't think that he makes the case um, for the number one receiver in this class like Jackson Smith and Jigba does. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest difference is there's going to be a lot higher floor with Smith and Jigba, whereas you've got a lot more outcomes for Johnston. And I think, I mean, personally, this is this is a recent development, but I think the best landing spot for Quentin Johnston at this point, I would love to see him end up with the Detroit Lions at pick 18. Holy um, cow. I think with the recent suspension to Jamison Williams, they may be looking a little bit deeper into the wide receiver class, and I think that he fits what they have to begin with, with – Amandra on the slot with Jamison on the outside, and I think if you get a possession guy who can do a lot of things in Quentin Johnston, that's the recipe for an elite offense in a wide-open NFC. I mean, yeah, if you think about it, you could put Quentin Johnston at that X spot and keep Jamison Williams over at the Z and then keep Amandra St. Brown in the slot. I would uh, would go to bat with that trio of receivers nine times out of ten. It's young, it's exciting, and it's, uh, I mean, it kind of fits the mold of the excitement that's building around that franchise. So that's, that's his best spot for me. Do you have any other teams that you're looking for with Quentin Johnston? I, I think that that would probably be his best spot. I like Seattle as well. I think he would do really, really well in the Seattle offense. You know, Tyler Lockett's getting a little old. They've already got DK Metcalf, very physical receiver. He, DK Metcalf can do it all. Um, Quentin Johnson would be a really, really good compliment. I think he could do more than what Tyler Lockett does now, um, but I think he could fill that Tyler Lockett role really, really, really well. Yeah, I mean, Seattle with that pick at 20, I think that that's uh, you know, right in that range of where we think that we could see him go. So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, my number three wide receiver is Jordan Addison. He is a very, very tumultuous uh, pick right now. Your number three is Zay Flowers. Why do you like Zay Flowers at number three so much? Yeah, I mean, I'm not quite as um, hyped on Zay Flowers as his agent is. Um, I'm not going to call him <laughs> the number one wide receiver in the draft. But I do think that looking at the tape, um, kind of like Sean Tucker, I think he was overshadowed by playing at Boston College. He wasn't in the greatest system. He didn't have the greatest quarterbacks. But he's a straight-up route runner, and he put up stats for years. Now, while they weren't gaudy 1,500-yard season stats, he was consistent, he was productive, and I think that he fits the the need of a solid route runner, a possession receiver in the NFL. Um, so I can see why teams are interested in him, and I think that he'd make a lot of sense on a team like the New York Giants, um, a team where they somehow produced with wide receivers that were kind of basically off the street last year. Um, So, I mean, it's a system that's ripe for opportunity, and I think that some of those receivers that produced last year should have the right to to come back and produce this year. But why not add to it, especially if you're possibly only going to have Saquon Barkley back just for the season? You know what reminds me, or what would remind me, of if the Giants drafted Zay Flowers in the first round? 
What's that? When they drafted Kadarius Tony, and how well did that work out? Hey, now. Zay Flowers and Kadarius Tony are not the same wide receivers. So They're you not can't say same. that Zay Flowers is going to eventually end up panning out for your Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> My thing with Zay Flowers, I'm not as high on him as other people. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the undersized kind of gadgety type wide receivers. I understand that Zay Flowers is a very good route runner. That's personally just not my cup of tea. But look, there are a lot of people that know way more about football than I do, and they love Zay Flowers, so maybe he's going to be fantastic. I'm not buying into it. I would rather have a guy like Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison is he, he's a polished receiver. He, he is the quintessential polished receiver that you want to see in the game. He's very nuanced with his route running. He's a very technically gifted wide receiver. He reminds me a lot of Devontae Smith. Just, I mean, he's a little bit on the leaner side, but he's still tall. He still wins at the point of the catch. He has that speed to win vertically, and my goodness, his rack ability is off the charts. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that you feel that way. <laughs> I know you have him at number five, um, and it was even a struggle for you to put him at number five. I think Jordan Addison is going to be a very good wide receiver. I think that he is going to fall down draft boards. We're already seeing it in the betting odds. We're already seeing it everywhere. I think he would do really well. He would do great in a system like Buffalo. He would be amazing in that system. Yeah, I mean, that's a system that would be, you'd be hard-pressed to say it couldn't work and that it wouldn't be good for him. And, and that's, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to my fifth pick as Jordan Addison. But I, I only really have him there because I think that he's going to warrant fantasy value based on draft position. Um, that takes precedent for me ranking him at five over my personal uh, beliefs in him as a top-flight prospect. Um, but, no. again, this is, this, I will... Gladly, um, he, he's the player this year that I would gladly um, miss the boat on happily <laughs> if such happens. Your number four wide receiver is Josh Downs. Mine is Marvin Mims. Talk to me about Josh Downs for you. I mean, for me, Josh Downs this year is full of slot wide receivers that run great routes and something that's going to get beat into your head by the end of this weekend just because there's a there's a lot of possession receivers and Josh Downs fits that bill perfectly um kind of low-key after his freshman year um as a true sophomore he came in um Sam Howell's junior year caught 1300 yards 101 receptions in, in college is is incredible um this past season he started the year um injured he had broken his foot um, and he still put up 1,029 yards in 11 games. And to me, he's just an incredibly um, gifted, again, very high floor player. I don't know if his ceiling's as high as Smith and Jigba's, which is why he's not ranked closer to the top. But I think he's going to be somebody who comes in and produces. Um, I think that he could be Green Bay's perfect uh, get-out-of-jail-free card and not have the fan base hate them if they pick him in the second round. I, I agree. I do like Josh Downs. I just, I just like these other two receivers a little bit more. But Josh Downs is my number six wide receiver um, on my board. Obviously, we're only doing top five, so I couldn't really get into that. But Marvin Mims, for me, is my number four guy. I, I view Marvin Mims in a very similar kind of role, kind of light, as I do Jordan Addison. He he is very, very nuanced in his game. He is a, he is a good route runner. He's not a great route runner, but he is very consistent and he is very reliable. He has great speed and ball skills, and he, he does really, really good things when he is in the open space. Now, it's getting in the open space that is the big question for Marvin Mims. Yeah, I mean, looking back at his career at Oklahoma, I think that he was a player, while he had an incredible amount of hype, I don't think he ever quite lived up to it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't good. Um, yeah. Obviously, the quarterback um, play went down at Oklahoma. They were supposed to have Spencer Rattler, who was supposed to keep the uh, you know top ten pick at Oklahoma, the Heisman Trophy contender streak going. That didn't quite pan out as it was supposed to. Um, 
Lincoln Riley took the pay raise and bolted um, rather unceremoniously. So I think it does speak to Mims' character some that he stayed at Oklahoma and, and went through with his commitment. Um, so, yeah, I like him as a player. I, I just think he's right outside my top five. Yeah, no, and, and that that seems to be pretty much the consensus. Either you're going to have him pretty high or you're going to have him pretty low. It's just kind of wherever you how you feel. And then your number five, like I said earlier, Jordan Addison. My number five, Kayshawn Boutte. So give me your little spiel about Jordan Addison, and then I will make the case for Kayshawn Boutte. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll keep this short because I don't really have the greatest uh, report card for Jordan Addison brought up in front of me. And for time constraints, I'm just going to say that I, I don't think that he has the complete route tree to be dominant in the NFL. Um, it was a lot of simple passes. It was a lot of crossing routes. It was a lot of bubble screens. Um, last year while he was at USC, I thought it was a great opportunity for him to really show out on the bigger stages that they had with Caleb Williams being the Heisman Trophy winner. And I thought in a lot of the bigger games, Jordan Addison just didn't do enough. And uh, so for me, I think he fits perfectly with a program like Baltimore where, you know, my take on him not being a top five talent pans out just because wide receivers don't pan out in Baltimore. <laughs> Kayshawn Butte is – probably one of the most polarizing wide receivers in this class. You know, he was being touted as the guy um, just a few years ago. And he he fell off hard. Like, he fell off really, really hard. But what you see when you turn on tape with him is he's so explosive in and out of his routes. And when he gets the ball in his hands, he looks like he is shot out of a cannon. Usually that's described when you're talking about a running back. This goes for Keishon Butte as well. He can play in pretty much any scheme, and he can complement any receiver in that scheme. That being said, I think he is a number two wide receiver, but I, I think he's going to be fantastic at the next level. He does need to clean up his technical ability a little bit. Um, he's not as you know, kind of fluid in his motions when it comes to his route running, but I think Butte is going to be a star. Yeah, I mean, I can't deny all the makings are there. What scares me off of Boutte is I think that it's a motivation issue for whatever reason. Um, there mm. were times in his college career where, like you said, he was the best wide receiver in college football, and there were other times where, whether it was the LSU media, whether it was some of the off-the-field, uh, um, what do I want to call it, um, moments for him that he had where it was just a question of how much he was dedicated to football, and that's a scary thing to... Um, take into account, which I think is going to be the main reason why people um, start to see him fall a little bit this weekend, um, falling from his original first-round grade, that is. I don't, I don't know how much he'll fall from his combine performance, but, yeah, the upside's there. It's just whether or not you want to bet on it. So, I mean, if we're talking dynasty value and he's a potential, you know, end of the second, third-round pick, I think he's a guy with a lot of upside at that point. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, with the upside value part of it. So with wide receivers, um, do you want to run me through? I know, obviously, we only touched on five. Every year there's a couple more wide receivers. It goes a lot deeper than five. Um, do you just want to call your shot on a couple names that you think also have a chance to, uh, to make it big from this year's class? My number one guy outside of the top five is Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. I love Xavier Hutchinson. He he's a big receiver. He's tall. He's six one. He's two oh seven. So he is on the leaner side of things. He's not like a big bodied receiver, but his height and his skill set allow him to both play inside and outside, but also to win at the point of the attack. Um, he plays the ball well, and he is a natural catcher. He catches darn near everything with his hands. He very rarely has body catches, um, and he is able to find the soft spot in zones. He's able to find space and just kind of settle into that spot. He's a very, very natural wide receiver. He would be a great fit for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> yes, um, selfishly. Throwing him in, that, in there for your own team. I respect <laughs> it. Um, no, that's a great pick. I think he's a great example of somebody who went back to school and it panned out for him. So I'm excited to see what Xavier Hutchinson can do in the league. Um, for me, I'm going to throw my shot at a couple people. Um, Tank Dell from Houston is maybe the best route runner in the entire draft. Um, short in stature, weight is going to be a problem in the NFL potentially. If, if he gets on the right team and gets his chance, I think he's going to ball. And then I'm going to toss out Rasheed Rice as a name that I really like. 
I like Rasheed um, Rice. In the SMU wide open air raid system, there's been a number of wide receivers who have come through and put up gaudy numbers that haven't panned out in the NFL. And I think that's kind of gotten to the point where it's affected Rasheed Rice's stock. Um, but he's not just a one trick pony. He can go up and he can get the football. He's fast. He can run. He can run good routes. And I think if anybody's going to come out of that system and really make an impact in the NFL, um, it's Rasheed Rice. Yeah, no, I, I I like Rasheed Rice as well. I think those those guys that you touched on are some really really good best of the rest picks at the wide receiver position. So just to run through, my number one was Jackson Smith and Jigba. So was yours. My number two, Quentin Johnston. So was yours. Mine, number three, Jordan Addison. Your number three is Dave Flowers. My number four, Marvin Mims. Yours was Josh Downs. My number five was Keishon Boutte. And yours was Jordan Addison. Tight end, Aaron. Looking at tight end, um, we all have the same top five from fantasy, from a fantasy perspective. So I think um, I'm, I'm mostly curious to find out where you think the best fits are for these wide receivers and what you think their best um, attributes are. Because for me, I mean, we both got... I don't you might have Kincaid at one I do have Kincaid at one yes and it's tight ends not wide receivers that we're talking about yes forgive me we're talking about tight ends some of them function as wide receivers which is probably why um, Anthony has Kincaid at one Um, Dalton Kincaid coming from USC um, for me looking at him he's kind of the opposite of Jordan Addison in the bigger games for Utah Dalton Kincaid went nuts he had a career game um, and an upset over USC and he is an absolute machine. If you want to talk Travis Kelsey comps, mostly I'm going to gag, but with this guy, I kind of think it's appropriate. He can catch the <laughs> ball, he can run routes, and I, I think that he's going to be a deadly weapon in the NFL. I think that Kincaid would fit well with either the Dallas Cowboys or the Jacksonville Jaguars, Someone who re- or teams that really utilize tight end as a receiver uh, would really, really benefit from having Kincaid in their system. Yeah, um, I think Dallas makes a lot of sense. And for me, I had him pegged to the Lions. Um, again, I think a common thread, whether it's they've, – they've got four picks in the first two rounds, whether it's pick 18 or whether somebody slides to the second round. I think Kincaid, um, like Quentin Johnston, could add an element to their offense that I think could make Detroit interesting. Yeah, no, I, I don't hate that at all. I mean, obviously they got rid of – TJ Hawkinson, and I think Kincaid would make a lot of sense. It would really open up that passing attack if they choose to not go with a wide receiver route. Kincaid makes a lot of sense. Your number one and my number two is Michael Mayer. He is considered the number one tight end in this class. What do you love most about Mayer? Yeah, so I mean, from the time that he walked into Notre Dame, um, there were people that were calling him Baby Gronk for a reason. Um, he plays a lot like Rob Gronkowski, and the only thing that's really different, he's a, he's a little shorter, um, not too short for a tight end or anything, but plays with the same mindset. Um, I like Michael Mayer, and I, I think that he's going to be a great tight end because he's a good blocker, um, a little bit more so than Kincaid. And when he's got the uh, ball, he reminds me a little bit of George Kittle in the open field. Sometimes he can look like a, a bit of a bull in a china shop. Like It's not always super coordinated, um, but with their size and with their, with their strength, they're going to run some people over. So um, for me, I've got Mayer at one just, again, because of the complete package sort of aspect to him. I think Kincaid might have a higher ceiling, but I think Mayer is going to be a lot safer. Um, and to me, I think that a great fit for him, one that would be perfect, would be Cincinnati, um, a team that's had a hole at tight end since Joe Burrow has, has arrived. Hayden Hurst did fine. They brought in Irv Smith. But I think Michael Mayer, especially in that system where they don't have the greatest line play, would be a great fit for them as an inline blocker and somebody who can add another aspect to their passing game. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you a lot on all the points that you said. My biggest concern, though, is, is we've seen George Kittle kind of embody that really physical blocking tight end role while also being a super um, reliable receiving threat. But the durability is a concern, and I wonder if Michael Mayer is going to fall into that category when he gets to the NFL after taking repeated, repeated hits from some of the best athletes in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. He's, he's pretty thick, uh, thick with two Cs. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> I think that looking at Mayer, I think he's a, he's a good fit there. And, and like I said, I just think he's a little bit safer than Kincaid because he can block. Um, but Kincaid in the right system has a higher receiving upside. So I, I could see going either way there. Yeah. Our number three tight end for both of us is Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. I think I think Luke Musgrave is 
a very, very good tight end. I mean, obviously, he's the number three tight end in here. He's going to the NFL. Um, but again, I see him more as just a receiving guy more than a blocker. Um, he's very athletic. Um, he can play out in the slot or out wide. He's, he's very, very, he's very, very flexible in that side of things. My only issue, though, is he doesn't have that much production throughout college. Like, he's only, he only had one season over 170 yards. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a part of why people like and uh, part of the reason why he's at number three all at the same time. Um, coming out of Oregon State, obviously not the program that gets the most shine in the entire world. Um, they haven't really been an offensive juggernaut. Uh, this last season he did perform better, um, and, and Oregon State played better, which I don't think is a total coincidence. Um, looking at Musgrave, I think that he's, again, in the same build, in the same build as Mayer. I think he can do it all, and I think that that kind of untapped potential is what makes him have a little bit more valuable um, outlook on him as a, a prospect in this year's draft. Yeah, I, I, I like him. He's still my number three guy, but there is just some concern a little bit there for me. Um, just due to the lack of production. We do have um, number four and number five flipped, but they're the two of the same guys. Um, Darnell Washington is number five for me, number four for Aaron, and then Sam Laporta is number four for me and then number five for Aaron. Why do you like Darnell Washington more than Sam Laporta? Uh, I mean, I think he's kind of in the same grain as uh, Luke Musgrave. I think Darnell Washington has a little bit more untapped potential. Um, that makes him have a little bit higher ceiling for me. Obviously, Darnell Washington on the surface, you look at him, he's like six foot seven. He's an athletic specimen, and playing behind, or, or not really behind, but with Brock Bowers, definitely took away some targets from the tight end position that he might have otherwise gotten. Um, Sam Laporta, Mr. Consistency. The dude produces big games every game. Um, I don't know that he necessarily has the ceiling that Darnell Washington has. I think he's going to be a great pro and one that you're going to be able to depend on for, for quite a long time. But I, I have Washington ranked higher mainly just for the upside, um, in my opinion. Yeah, I, 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 like the, I like the production that Sam Laporta had. Um, I think Sam Laporta also just fits the mold of an NFL tight end um, more than Darnell Washington does. You know, Sam Laporta is a converted wide receiver. And he comes from that Iowa bloodline of all the tight ends and everything. Like Sam Laporte is going to be really, really, really good. Um, I think he would fit well with the Chargers. I actually have Sam Laporte to the Chargers as my favorite uh, destination <laughs> as well. So that's that's great. I, I think he fits well there, and I think that uh, there, there's a good amount of teams that need tight ends this year, and I, there's a good amount of tight ends that are going to find some fascinating homes. Um, I think my favorite destination. Um, from those couple guys we listed last was I think Darnell Washington would make a lot of sense in Dallas. He just seems like a cowboy to me. Um, <laughs> like I mean, Jerry Jones at his age, he does a lot of window shopping, and I think Darnell Washington walking through the doors. You've got a guy with some receiving upside. You've got a basically an extension to their off already um, huge offensive line. He just seems like a cowboy. Jerry Jones walks into the office and thinks that he just bought another Lamborghini type of player. He is the perfect guy for um, a team that runs 12 personnel. Um, he's just a big, big dude. He can be essentially another lineman out there, but also poses a little bit of a receiving threat. One of my biggest issues with Washington, though, is just his injury history. He he was injured a little bit, um, so I, I am interested to kind of see how that plays out in the NFL. So as a recap, tight ends, I had Dalton Kincaid, number one. Aaron had Michael Mayer as number one, and then those were flipped. So I had Mayer at number two, and Aaron had Kincaid at two. And then at three, we both had Luke Musgrave. I had Sam Laporta at four, and Darnell Washington at five, whereas Aaron had Darnell Washington at four, and Sam Laporta at five. That is all of the fantasy-relevant positions um, that we're going to be covering regarding the draft. Aaron, any quick notes? Yeah, I mean, just a general word. Um, obviously, we're coming into this. We're giving our takes on who we think has the most talent. But don't be afraid once this weekend happens to really take everything in and and take your own rankings with um, a small grain of salt. I mean, we might like certain players, but I'm going to tell you what. If the right player goes to the 
wrong situation or if a player that I don't necessarily like goes to the right situation, um, you have to take that kind of stuff in, and that's what's going to be excited about um, exciting about this weekend is we have some top-end talent, but, man, these middle rounds are going to be where fantasy seasons are made next year, where dynasty value is built, and I, I can't wait for it to unfold. Oh, absolutely. I am just salivating at the idea that one of these receivers is going to drop to Kansas City, and I would lose my mind. I would love it. I would love it. I don't want to see Kansas City take a running back in the first round again. I just want to see them um, do what they're supposed to do. With that being said, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the inaugural episode of the Dynasty A-Team. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back here every single week. Thank you.